Welcome back to Kit Mag Pod, where I'd like to apologise for last week's broadcast, which offended Norwich City fans. We said lots of <laughs> in the pod that went out live, and we're going to edit it a lot more closely so that we don't let any explicits go out there. Tom was a bit of a. <laughs> All our wonderful listeners. This week we are joined by a cast of shirt nerds and geeks. Joining me as usual, we have Alex Wonderkits. How are you, Alex? Great, thank you. United's current former side. I wasn't going to mention it, but since you did, and uh, what are you wearing today, Alex? I'm keeping the faith. So I'm trying to recall, in view of the guests that we've got coming up later in the show, this is a classic United early 2000s, the Umbro Sport Wool. Vodafone sponsor, you think Rude van Nistelrooy, Veron, the team that was going to beat the world and it never quite worked, but yeah, some classic Arsenal Man United battles foreshadowing our guest. I'm sure that'll come up later in the uh, in the pod. Flying Scotty, Scott, welcome back. Thanks for having me. And talk, talk us through those threads. So today I am wearing the Ghana 2014 World Cup home shirt uh, with official World Cup patches and official name set of the cult hero Prince Boateng. I was just going to say, I uh, my mood mirrors Alex's with reference to the form of my beloved United. Finally, but not least, we are joined by Mike at Footage Shirts. How are you today, Mike? Yeah, I'm good. Um, I'm wearing the Stuttgart 97-98 away shirt with an Akpabori name set, which Jonathan Akpabori himself once tried to buy off me. No way. Tell us more about that. Or is that it? It's, it, it? No, no, no. It's a really quick one. Uh, I posted it on Instagram once. Uh, a little comment popped up and I checked out the profile and it, and it was him asking if it was for sale. Uh, I dropped him a DM and basically went back and forth with him, chatted a little bit. He said he wanted to buy it. I said I weren't really looking to sell, but I will because, you know, your name's on the shirt. It's only fair. Then he asked if he could do bank transfer. I said I prefer PayPal and he ghosted me after that. So, yeah. I'm sure it was just a misunderstanding, though. I'm sure there was nothing unusual about why he was asking for my bank details. You just sound like a scorn seller that didn't have the buyer pay, so they want to, <laughs> want to relist the shirt again. No, it's not for sale anymore. There's a story now. Great stuff, gents. Well, let's move on to this week's news. We have got a final shirt release of the season for El Batiste. A Japanese new shirt that's got people's pulses running, some premier kick facts, and some hundingers of some new shirts in the Football League next season. Well, who wants to kick us off first with those four new stories? Okay, so I'll get my terrible pronunciation out of the way first. So this week, uh, Shimitsu S. Pulse announced that they were releasing their 30th anniversary shirt. It pays homage to their first ever shirt, that they released in 1992. It features a light orange with a yellow uh, background, which helps uh, show off the map feature. And for anybody that is a J-League fan, that's a, it's a very famous pattern, and the map has featured on many of the shirts um, throughout their years. Throwback element is actually more to do with the color. So as the as the years progressed from their initial shirts, the the orange on the shirts got slightly darker, and it's a very subtle. But I thought it was quite a cool way to fit it in. And uh, what Puma had done was, the main shirt has gone back to that lighter orange, 
um, with the map graphic, but the color is the darker orange, which is what the team, the color the teams wear in more recent years. Yeah, I think, I mean, anybody that's been following me on Twitter will have seen quite a few shirts uh, recently that were a lot to do with throwbacks. And I think Puma, bearing in mind the catastrophe of the third template they've had this year, have actually done a, a really good job and it looks really it looks really nice you know it's it's such a iconic shirt there's not men you know there's a few shirts out there that when you look at it you you automatically know which team it is and where it's from and i think that these these map shirts are definitely one of those shirts so for me i think it's a big win and i think puma have done done really well what are your guys thoughts yeah, I think Puma are probably only in front of DHgate in terms of the brands that we've mentioned in the, the pod so far, but <laughs> done a really great job with a, a retro tribute. And yeah, I think exactly as you said, real classic, done a really good job with it. I mean, it's going to be popular amongst the uh, collectors. The shirts always are, aren't they? And you're, you're right, Scott, immediately identifiable. It's like one of those kits that you see a red and white striped shirt. You know, it's Ajax, you see a purple shirt, you know, it's Fiorentina. You know, you see this map shirt in yellow or orange and you know it's uh, Shunim's ES Pulse. Is it going to be available to buy in the UK? Yeah, I mean, you can buy this year's home shirt on UK Soccer Shop, but we're f- not mentioning him because that's <laughs> that place is a disaster. <laughs> It's a very interesting market, isn't it? The Japanese shirt market because the, the prices are really, really high and they don't seem to sell massive, massive amounts. It doesn't seem like a massive thing to try and raise a lot of revenue that it must be very difficult to be a collector of these shirts because the availability doesn't seem anything like any of the European clubs. And the shipping seems to be a nightmare as well. I remember when the the 100th anniversary uh, Japanese shirt came out, there was, I mean, unless you had a contact in Japan the the Adidas website didn't ship certainly to the UK so I know a lot of people had to there was a a couple of really good guys on Twitter that were taking orders for people and trying trying to get them imported for them so but yeah I'm not sure how Puma are going to handle it a very quick shout out so at J League shirts is a good really good contact if you want to get those if you're interested in that market it is really difficult to do and he sorts out some really really good deals in terms of getting things across so if that's your thing go for him that j-league shirts is a good shout out by the way i, I went quiet really good, I, I don't buy it but like he's really sound because yeah, i remember speaking to somebody about maybe getting that shirt and, and it was him so i'm glad you've shouted him out that's a good one great stuff and moving on mike you can tell us about real batista's new shirt yeah, so they've released a special shirt for the Copa del Rey final. Largely, on first glance, it looks like a traditional Betis shirt, green and white stripes, nothing uh, too unusual about it. But then if you look a little closer, you can see one of the lines on, on the side. If you're wearing it, the left-hand side of the shirt has some detail in it. And um, it basically, uh, from what I'm reading, is, is the squad names from this season, the current squad. Um, just obviously celebrating the achievement of getting to the final. Uh, shirt's really nice. It's got a really nice gold detail in it, a gold Kappa logo, gold around the badge, and just some nice gold detailing. And, and the official name set is a big gold name set as well that, to be honest, looks really, really good. Kappa smashing it again. Yeah, really good. You guys seen it? Like it? Yeah, I think, like you said, it's, I mean, it's it's cool because it's a, it still sticks with the traditional better shirt. But that that kind it looks almost like an offset green stripe because of the way that they've put the players' names in green, and I think it 
it adds just enough to make it different that that it, it'll be a really cool purchase for for uh, either La Liga collectors or, or Betis fans. I, th- I think it's really smart. Pictures look great. Beautiful shirt. If you are a Batiste collector, that's shirt number six this season. So they, they've crept up, I think, more recently, obviously, with the final shirt. He let them off. Everybody seems to see that. They had the world shirt as well, I think, that we covered five or six weeks <laughs> ago. But they've been creeping up with that number. I mean, that's almost 50% Napoli right there. That's that's getting there. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's available to buy online and it will be worn in the final against Valencia. And by the time you lucky listeners listen to the podcast, you'll know whether it's been a winning shirt or a glorious defeat. Alex, you're going to tell us some fun facts about the Premier League and give us a, another tip for a, a good Twitter follow. Yeah, so we like to shout out people in the kit community who do good things. We talked about the shirt union and they tend to do their price matching where they look for the best prices where you can get Premier League shirts and championship shirts as well and there's also kit underscore geek so it's run by a guy called Gavin Hope and covers stats for the Premier League and which kits are worn over the season so a few good reasons to follow it for example if you want to find out if a kit combination's ever been worn and also just to find out some of the stats around it so he updates it weekly this week he's updated it as per usual and some interesting statistics up to date there's been 96 kits worn brighton are undefeated in their away kit this season so maybe fans be petitioning for that to to remain the kit they wear arsenal fans who bought the uh the the fan tokens they might have suffered a 90 percent drop in the prices but maybe a slight a slight sort of commiseration that they were able to vote for the choice of kit at Southampton and they voted to wear the third kit. Arsenal, Brentford and Burnley have been in their three kits demonstrating the home away and third kits in the last three games and we're talking about Brighton in terms of their away kit success but they've actually worn four different kit combinations in the last five games. So again follow the account kit underscore at kit underscore geek really good opportunity to kind of keep abreast of what's going on in the Premier League. Completely endorse that and actually does it for the Championship League 1 and League 2 I think as well so he's got his hands full he puts an awful lot of work into producing those grids for, for all of his followers and it's, it's well worth looking at. Yeah it really is a great source if you're if you're trying to match up shirts that you've you've purchased or even if you're looking for a name set you know it's a, it's a great quick reference guide that you can jump on there find out what the game was and it gives you an easy an easy access to the to google the game to see if the the player you want on your shirt was actually on the on the pitch at the time so yeah it's a it's a really good effort and it must take them a lot of time brilliant stuff uh we mentioned the championship in league one and league two there but um the transfer season has started for kit suppliers as well mike you can tell us about a couple of transfers in the kit world yeah, I, th- I think the big one everyone's, I think only we saw today was uh, AFC Wimbledon and Hummel. Obviously, that's a big one because whether you want to call it original Wimbledon, whatever you want to refer to the, the club as, wore, wore um, Hummel back when they won the FA Cup. So it's a big one. And I think a lot of the fans will be looking for a, a re-release of that one. Didn't they win the FA Cup in Spain? It was, it was the famous kit is the year after because they won it in 88. And then they oh. changed to Hummel. So they had the... Spell kit, was Hummel it? was the yeah. one that had the embroidery the, that said FA Cup winners, yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, obviously, yeah, it's the Carlsberg sponsor with the... the, the yeah. Sport. yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. they won the FA Cup in Spall, but it was the next year they were Hummel and had the embroidery around the badge. Beautiful kit, though, isn't it? So I guess everybody... 
neutrals and AFC Wimbledon fans, basically everybody who's not an MK Dons fan is probably hoping for a, throw, a throwback <laughs> kit there. <laughs> and there were a couple of others as well, Mike. Hummel announced with somebody else, did they, this week? Yeah, I believe it was Millwall. Obviously, Millwall have had a few decent kits that people have got behind over the last couple of years. Um, even that sort of like basically advert for Husky Chocolate of an, an away or third shirt, whatever it was. But but yeah, I think it's, it's quite exciting for the lower league clubs for, for, for a brand like Hummel, to be honest with you, because I think they're one of the very few... Hannah, would we regard, regard them as a bigger brand? I, I think so personally. Who were doing a lot of bespoke kits for the smaller clubs, and and you know rather than the the cookie cutter templates that you you might get through Adidas or Nike if you're if you're in the Championship League One or League Two. So so I think I think uh, Wimbledon and Millwall for the Hummel is particularly exciting. Hummel are a, Hummel really are smashing it just now. Yeah. I think that you look at their Denmark stuff. Th- there's not much. I mean, I hate to bring it up because I hate both of them, but. The, the Rangers Hummel stuff that they did was really, they, they're just like you, like you said, Mike, they, they create shirts for the clubs. It's not open a catalogue, pick this t-shirt, there you go. They're they're giving each individual club a shirt and it, yeah, I think they're, they look really good. And they're making the smaller clubs memorable. Yeah, you think of like Coventry won't like yeah. saying they're a smaller club because they're not a small club, they are a good sized club. But you know, some of their shirts have been fantastic and Cambridge traditionally are a smaller club and again, they've had some absolutely iconic shirts from Hummel yeah. that have been, yeah, will be future classics. If not and already. anybody that throws out a tuxedo kit is fucking all right in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Two. Yeah, goalkeeper shirt and an outfield shirt, legends. And it was Ghent, wasn't it? Ghent was the other one, yeah, the blue one. <laughs> Heroes, and then the other one I believe was Area with Sheffield United, wasn't it? Which um, I think is another good one. I'm Cheltenham Town fan. We've had Area for many, many years. It's a bit hit and miss. There's a few kits that you know they're not great, but we also see some some really good kits. Not not just for Cheltenham, but for a lot of Italian clubs and stuff through Area. So hopefully that could be a good one as well. Yeah, it'd be a good opportunity for them to showcase their skills on the away and third shirt. Probably a little bit hands tied on that on that home shirt. They've done such a good job with Parma though. I think that when you see some of the kits they've brought out, I think the fans, the fans have the right to be excited. I think that they, they could, like you said, with the away in the third, there could be a potential to be a couple of really beautiful shirts made. The Scar shirts been beautiful as well the yeah. last couple of years. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's funny though, because we obviously, they're not a massive club and not many people would have seen them, but with Cheltenham Town, ironically, the, the home kits are red and white striped traditionally, but they've put out some incredible takes on, on the red and white home kits. They did one which... I can only describe as sort of like a mix between a quartered kit and a striped kit. You'd have to, to see it. It's my favourite home shirt of, of years. And then they did a throwback for us back to when we were promoted to the Football League. It's an almost a carbon copy of, of that kit from, from that year. And so so although, you know, we, we think that the homes might all be a bit safe at the same time, for me as a Cheltenham fan, I think they got a bit of history of doing something a bit different, but keeping within the sort of like parameters that the fans want. So... Yeah. Might be a lot of lovers about shirt. Sheffield United fans will get that joke. This week we're delighted to welcome Colin Black to the pod. Colin, who's on Twitter at GreatLeopard84, wrote a brilliant article in volume two of the magazine Polyester Emotions. Colin, do you want to tell us a bit about the article? Thanks for having me on to the podcast, guys. I've been listening intently and looking forward to getting to discuss the article here. I was pretty much given free reign to write an article, and the the only thing I could write about really was like just emotions that I feel when I see various football shirts, because I follow a lot of experts on Twitter who know an awful lot about 
where shirts are manufactured or history and things like that. But I'm not as knowledgeable as a lot of those guys. But what I do know is how something makes me feel when I see it. I sort of toyed with what sort of emotion I would talk about. And I think the first thing, just to keep it positive, I wanted to talk about a shirt that makes me feel love. So, of course, I had to pick the shirt that I'm wearing, which is the Arsenal 92-94 home kit. And the reason I picked that one is because it's it's it was the first kit that I first Arsenal kit that I got. I was I think eight or nine years old, and I can pinpoint the exact moment that I fell in love with Arsenal, which is a strange thing when you're an Irish person to say that about a club that's uh, you know across the water in a different country. You know, when I was that age, well, of course Ireland were in their first World Cup in 1990. The whole country was just gripped with Jack Charlton and Italia '90, and it really changed the mood in the country because it was kind of a dark and gloomy place in, in in the early 90s and we did pretty well you know we got to the quarterfinals in our first appearance and one of the heroes of course was David O'Leary who was an Arsenal player and following on from that World Cup I sort of t- started to take an interest so I was still young but I was playing football my dad watched football every week and we'd pick out the Irish players who were playing uh, and at that time they were playing in pretty much all the top clubs you know there was players at Arsenal Manchester United Liverpool Aston Villa all had Irish internationals. So we were we were prominent, you know, and David O'Leary was just a player I admired. And I always had watching Arsenal and then decided that, you know, my dad was a Man United fan, but he'd never really pushed that on me. But Arsenal always drew me towards them because they were they'd won the league in 1991. And of course, when you're seven years old, you want to support the best team. I've got a few friends that are unfortunate Blackburn Rovers fans for the same reason, picking them. And it really cemented in me when when I first saw Ian Wright playing. So I'm wearing this shirt and of course I've got Ian Wright's uh, name set on the back. I'm just buying my childhood back through various football shirts. So this is another one that I've gotten in adult size. The moment that I fell in love with the club was the FA Cup final replay uh, that season where Arsenal played uh, Sheffield Wednesday in both cup finals in very quick succession. It was the 92-93 season. They'd beaten Wednesday the month before. I got my shirt in, in April and a few, I think over only a week after that, there was the League Cup final. They won that game, but the FA Cup was really the one everyone wanted and it went to a replay there's a lot of strange things about the game. It was it was a hot, humid evening. You could, I don't know if anyone remembers the game, but it was it was at night at, in Wembley on a Thursday night. It was warm. It was sticky. You could sort of feel the atmosphere. It was kind of a bit like Italian ninety all over again. It was like it came out of nowhere. As soon as Ian Wright was flicked through on goal by Alan Smith, he cut across Paul Warhurst, I think, at the back and dinked the ball beyond Chris Woods in the goal. And as soon as that ball hit the net. Out of nowhere, for the first time in my life, I was jumping up and down around the living room and it was uncontrollable. And my dad was laughing at me and that was it. That was it. That was the moment I was like, this is my team. Smith for right. He's through here. It's right for Arsenal. And it's a goal for Arsenal. Ian right yet again. So that's where I sort of based the, the article on is, you know, when I see this, it's my favourite Arsenal shirt. When I see it, it brings back all these lovely, warm, fuzzy memories of warm, sticky evenings playing football when you're young and that FA Cup final in particular. There's loads of other shirts that really, you know, they stick in my mind for various reasons. You know, uh, there's shirts that just make me feel excited because when I see them, I remember a specific goal that uh, was just out of this world or 
I see a shirt that makes me rem- remember a particularly amazing team. I see a shirt that like, you know, makes me angry or sad sometimes. So all these things are, my life is kind of punctuated by various football shirts and they're not necessarily the, the best shirts or the most desirable ones, but they sort of bring something out in you. And I think everyone can probably uh, attest to that. They can probably think of a shirt that really, you know, hits them in the gut or ties them to a particular place in time, you know? Um, and this shirt was the one that did it for me at, at that stage of my life, you know? So Colin, you said it's quite funny. Your story is quite similar to mine is from a small Scottish Island. So you, you picked a team at the time and, uh, so you were seven years old when you first watched Arsenal in the shirt you're wearing. When did you actually manage to pick up uh, the adult size shirt? Was it pre-lockdown boom or was it something you decided to do during the, the lockdown? Uh, no, I picked up the adult one um, in lockdown, actually. Yeah, I mean, I can, <laughs> I, can, I can put on my old shirt, but it's not pretty like. So um, yeah, <laughs> it was last year I picked it up. Particularly, you know, I, I collect Arsenal. I collect... You know, the other thing that really t- my life is kind of punctuated in four year cycles, like I'm a huge World Cup fan um, and I really like cheesy as it sounds. I'm really a fan of, of the beautiful game like and World Cups in particular is the pinnacle. And you know, I can appreciate good football from anyone, you know, really like Arsenal's my team, but I, I enjoy watching so many other players. So I really when I started getting heavy into the collecting in the last couple of years, it was Arsenal. I decided I was going to collect every Arsenal shirt since I was born in 1984. And then I was also going to um, focus on other nostalgic moments. So like early 90s Serie A, I'm lucky enough to be one who was glued to the television on Sunday afternoons watching James Richardson uh, reading his pink newspaper. So the, the teams and the shirts, they just bring back so many sort of nostalgic memories from from childhood that uh, those were the shirts that I really wanted to pick up. And I'm lucky that a lot of those ones are, are classics. Like a lot of the, the early 90s Serie A shirts are, are wonderful. And I'm lucky that Arsenal are, you know, one of the clubs that really, aside from the, the Puma era, you know, fairly recently, all our other shirts have been pretty solid, you know, from the early Adidas years, uh, particularly the early Nike era. And then it tailed off a little bit and then coming back to Adidas now, they're, they're, they're really are excellent shirts. So it's, it's been a great distraction in, in a, in a otherwise dull couple of period or a couple of years in our lives. And um, just getting a little bit more scarce and a little bit more spent expensive as uh, every day goes by. <laughs> yeah, they are. I'm only, I'm one short shirt shy of my complete Arsenal collection. And you see me begging on Twitter every week for somebody to give me a, uh, 85 86 away centenary shirt <laughs> no one wants to be one like the other thing i do collect the design classics as well and if you heard if you were to ask me what my favorite shirts were they're probably more the well-known classic shirts but the ones that really make me feel something about football are the ones that are personal to me like so usually attached to arsenal or world cups or even just completely random shirts that i remember just celebrating a goal or just being my mind being blown <laughs> i was asking my wife earlier when i told her i was coming on the podcast talking about emotions in football i was like do you remember when we first moved in together we were watching of course she doesn't remember this i was like we were watching uh barcelona Bayern munich champions league semi-final in 2015 in the new camp you must remember this you must remember this you know and Barcelona were wearing the, you know, their their usual shirt with Qatar Airways. You know, how do you not remember this? And you know, 
uh, Messi scored one goal and then he was through on goal. And you guys will probably remember this. He sat George Boateng down on his arse and it looked like he'd been shot by a sniper from the, the roof of the stadium. <laughs> and he just fell on his arse like, like he was dead. He was a corpse and Messi just dinked it over the goalie. And I was running around the living room going, he's just, he's just made him sit. He made him fall over. It's just like, did you just see what he's just done? And of course, she didn't remember the match at all. Of course she didn't. But like when I see that shirt, I remember that goal. And I remember like just the feeling that I got from watching that goal in 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 real time. And similarly, continue speaking about my wife. We we um we were still dating, I think, at the 2014 World Cup. And we were on a date, and I was with her and a couple of her friends, and of course it was during the World Cup. So I position myself skillfully so I could see the television over their shoulders and it was um Colombia playing James Rodriguez scored that goal where he took it on his chest facing away from goal pivoted and hit it first time volley into the top left corner and I, no one else was watching the match in the pub but I just started like screaming uncontrollably about <laughs> did anyone like did anyone goal of the tournament that? yeah goal of the tournament So like when I see that shirt, it's a fairly mundane, forgettable Columbia shirt, but like straight away that ties me back to that exact spot in time and the feelings that I was feeling uh, at that very moment. So that, that shirt's more common than you think because the code for it's in most other shirts of that era. Just <laughs> <laughs> going back to obviously to Arsenal shirt on. Um obviously going back then, the away was quite famous now. Do you remember what you thought about that as a youngster when you went to pick your kit? You know, what, what made you go for the home over that bruised banana? I mean, at the time, was it, did you think it was a to bit To be honest with you, I or? don't actually remember the bruised banana much when I was that age. I think um, I just asked for an Arsenal shirt for my birthday and my dad got me the home shirt. So I didn't really, I think your first shirt kind of has to be the home shirt, doesn't it? Like, because it's the one you associate with the with the club most. So I don't, and they only had it for the 92, 93. So 93, 94, they had the the yellow shirt with the with the three, the, the sort of Adidas template shirt that they Equipment, released yeah. recently, which is a great shirt as well. But I, to be honest, I don't really remember the, the away shirts much until the 94, 95 season when they had the, the blue Nike one, the first Nike one with the sort of blue zigzags down it. And I got that shirt with Ian Wright name set again with the, with the Nike details and everything. So, uh, but looking back now, I think if I was to pick my three favorite shirts, the bruised banana, uh, you know, it's a, lo- it's a love it or hate it, but I think it's in my, in my three favorite shirts of all time. Yeah. But no, I have to say, I don't really particularly remember asking for it or looking for that shirt at the time. It was, it was all about the home shirt for me. You've got to give us the other two shirts as well now, then you can't just say that's in the top three. Oh, like top three, my favorite shirts are like they're pretty standard like you know i've got a holland 88 and i've got a denmark 86 home shirt as well they're not um imaginative or unique but they're popular for a reason they're they're just phenomenal kits like so they'd be my top three do you know what it was the holland 88 that really kicked off this covid thing um i've been you know i saw one on a website in ireland for like a fairly reasonable price and i was like I bought it and then all of a sudden the floodgates opened. I was like, this is it. Like, I just, this is what has been missing in my life. Buying all these shirts to hang up in my uh, attic and uh, for only me to look at. And it, it was, it took off from there. My main question is, um, what on earth did you have over your old man that he let you pick Arsenal? <laughs> yeah. To be honest, I think um, my dad's a Manchester United fan and he has been, like, he's of the school of George Best, which I mentioned in the article. Um, I've seen my dad cry twice 
in my life. Once was when his father died and the other time was when George Best died. So that'll sort of tell you how much of a Manchester United fan he was. But I think, you know, I think he was just happy that I was interested in football because it was such, you know, it's such a big part of what his interests are. And it's not like when you live in England or Scotland or somewhere where there's big clubs nearby, it's a little, you're a little bit detached being in Ireland in that you're not going to the games every week and it's not, you're not like um, part of a tribe so much um, or part of a match day experience that you would get if you're living in a town with a, with a big football club. So I think it was more the fact that I was into football and he had a son who was playing. I think he was more, look, if you're into Arsenal, that's grand with me, like provided you're playing a bit of football and we can talk about it. Well, you have attempted, but there must be a sliding doors moment. In 1990, Alan McLaughlin was, you know, the late great Alan McLaughlin was uh, playing his trade at Swindon Town. Was there never a moment there where you attempted to to go down that route? <laughs> as as big a hero as he is, he's, you know, you know, never, never really thought about Swindon Town. Now, they were in the Premiership, weren't they, the first time around, the first season, but... Yeah, second. I think ninety three, ninety four was it? The second season, yeah. but yeah, yeah. So no, being the being the picky seven or eight year old, Swindon weren't high on the list at that stage. But nice try, Adrian. Nice try. You could do it all again. If we could do it all again, it'd be Swindon Town, hands down. So really interesting picking up on what you were saying about having a a club that's far away from you. So for Adrian, Mike, and myself, it's part of what we do every day. So I think probably part of the reason we don't speak so much about it on Twitter because it's part of our every day. But for, for you and also interested in hearing about Scott, you know, being further away from your primary club, how did you try and sort of get in with that and get the kind of feeling of the club, you know, when you don't have it, that there's people from the city there every day and so on, you know, how did you kind of try and immerse yourself more in the culture and so on? Obviously there is a league of Ireland and I'm, I'm not a big tender. So, I mean, if any Irish people are listening, they'll be shouting at me going, we, we do have a league and we do have clubs. Of course we do, but historically like, all our best players were picked up by scouts at the ages 12, 13, 14, and they all went to UK clubs. So all our best players have always been playing in the first old first division premiership. And that's who plays on the international team. So as a young sort of impressionable kid around, you know, a 1990 World Cup, a 1994 World Cup, um, should have qualified for Euro 96. You know, you've got successful international players and they all play for big UK clubs. Um, so that's who you really, that's why you followed them, you know. You sort of feel a connection from from that from that respect, you know. I mean, Arsenal had David O'Leary, who was, he actually, his last game was actually that FA Cup final for Arsenal um, that I was talking about. Um, but of course, Niall Quinn as well was a stalwart for Arsenal for several years. And Eddie McGoldrick, um not as sexy as the other players, but he played too. And uh, I actually happened to have a shirt with Eddie's uh, details on it for some reason. But, you know, and like Liverpool were full of our, uh, Irish players, Aston Villa as well. So you get that sort of connection to the club. But like, I know what you're saying. You, you don't immerse yourself. Like you don't know the songs that people sing at matches when you're sitting at home. You don't know what it's like being in the stadium until you go there. So you are a bit um, detached from 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 that respect. And I remember going to my first game, my first Arsenal game was, um, I think it was 1994, was it? Anyway, it was a Christmas present. It was, uh, we went over on Stevens Day, Arsenal, Aston Villa at home. And um, of course, Ian Wright wasn't playing, which is the only reason I went. And Paul Dickoff was playing up front instead. So I was 
massively disappointed before the game even started but like just even being there it was just like it was just something you can't describe as a kid that age and you've seen everything from so far away that when you get there it just seems surreal it's like you know it's like we watch so much American TV. So when you go to America and hear all the accents, it's like this place actually exists in real life and people talk like this. So that was a nil-nil. And then I think I went, we went to another game at Highbury, which was nil-nil. So I actually didn't see my first Arsenal goal until, um, uh, and people remember this game, uh, Arsenal went to Old Trafford in the 97-98 season, I think around March, uh, and beat United 1-0 in Old Trafford with Mark Overmars scored the only goal. So that's another shirt. They were wearing that away yellow shirt with this sort of navy band across the middle of it. So when I see that shirt, it's like, well, that I was at that game, you know, and ask Arsenal fans uh, and they'll know that match, you know. And we were sitting in the United end. My dad I was just about to ask that, yeah. Which yeah, end were you in? <laughs> quite a, there's a lot of Manchester United fans in Arsenal or in, in Ireland. And uh, my dad got ticket and... Um, we sat down in the United area and I was what 13 or 14 then. And I I took my sweatshirt off and I was wearing the the previous season's yellow away shirt. And then straight away people started shouting at me. And I was a kid. I was like, you see, you don't understand the rivalry as much when you're detached. So I'm like, look, lads, it's just two football teams, but like it's war when you live there. Like, you know, it's you know, people throw things at each other and they scrap outside the stadium. But like for a kid watching it on television, you just see like a football match you know so I was quickly told to put my my jumper back on and um to sit back down and my dad was he told me afterwards there was people like you know in his ear going we're gonna kick the shit out of you if your fella doesn't put his top back on you know and like when the but when the goal goes in like it's just the emotion takes over and I was up in the middle of the stand turning around to find any other Arsenal fans there was nobody like there's nobody this 14 year old cheering in the middle of the stand and that was the game that won Arsenal the league that year. Really, you know, they they um they had an unassailable lead after that. So that was my first Arsenal goal, and it was my also my first sort of experience of, you know, football rivalry in the flesh. Oh, it's Overmars. He's done it this time. Arsenal have scored a Premiership goal. And I got to a few other Arsenal games after that, but I actually lived in London for um, almost two years fairly recently. So across the 17-18 season into the 19-19 uh, or into the 18-19 season, and um, I went to nearly every Arsenal home game with my my red. Spent pretty pretty much spent all my money buying tickets to Arsenal games. So much so that they contacted me and asked me, do I want to purchase a platinum membership the following season? Because I probably spent enough money to to justify one. But when I was there living in, I lived in North London. I was, you know, I really felt part of the the tribe, so to speak, at that stage. We're living in another country and I, I'd love to go back for more games. But unfortunately, I'm now tied down with a pile of children. So I can't go over as much as I used to. Before this, I started looking into the Arsenal kit. So I do have a little bit of trivia about the origins of the Arsenal kit, if anybody's interested in that. Yeah, go on, yeah. Probably don't even right. know the answers to this, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so I was reading up on it. And basically, so in 1895, two years before it became Arsenal, so he's still known as Dial Square back then. I've made some notes, by the way. I'm not rem- I'm not memorizing this. <laughs> <laughs> they, they actually signed a group of players all from Nottingham Forest. Um, and when the players turned up, they still had their Nottingham Forest kits in their possession. So the club decided the best thing to do 
to be cost effective was to kit everybody else out in the same kits as these these guys that have come for Forest. And one of the players, I, I forget his name, he ended up writing back to Nottingham Forest to ask for more kits. And they ended up supplying Arsenal, or at the time, Dial Square, with their first ever all-red kit. And I've written it down because I knew I'd forget. It was known as Garibaldi Red. And it wasn't until Herbert Chapman took over Arsenal, who most Arsenal fans would probably know from their history then, that the, the white sleeves come in. And there's there's two little sort of like urban legends about how it came around. One of them is that he saw the groundsman in a sleeveless red jumper with a white shirt underneath. And he, that was a eureka moment <laughs> for him. We've got to bring the white sleeves in. And the other, the other one, if you believe this one, it comes from, just checking this, he played golf with a cartoonist called Tom Webster, who was wearing a red sleeveless knitted <laughs> vest with a white shirt underneath. And that's the birth of the Arsenal shirt with white sleeves. So it's nothing to do with stealing from Ajax or anything like that, no? Apparently not. And just if for anybody listening who wants to at me about this, if it's wrong, take your complaints to John Chandler, because that's the book that I read to take the information <laughs> from. So I'm not saying that I know this. I'm saying he says he does. It's like an episode of Kuma Bluff. I'm not sure which of those stories to believe. Yeah. One of us is lying. Yeah. <laughs> so is Garibaldi red? Is that the, the, the scarlet red on the shirt now? Or is that the maroon colour that was, uh, you know, celebrated I, in the 05? I think, yeah, I think it might be. that. i got to admit, in my little book that I was reading, it did then say refer to another page and I I didn't get that far so I did just I did just read the Arsenal bit but um but yeah I I, I guess the the Garibaldi red was was this sort of like the original color that that Forest wore yeah, it was yeah as well they got um, they got yeah. podcasts called the Garibaldi reds haven't they so uh, yeah I guess it's yeah it, it's just the, the proper red not the deep purple red I guess yeah it's red red yeah red 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 good bit of trivia there thank you Thanks, Colin. It was a fantastic insight into to being a fan, falling in love with a club from afar and kind of how shirts can kind of connect you to that. So just a reminder that although we're out of physical copies, you can still get digital copies of issue two online at kitmag.co.uk. That brings us on to this week's Shirt Room 101. Hi everybody, it's Shane here from Football Shirts and Coffee. Firstly, thanks very much for having me on the show. Uh, I love listening to the pod and I love hearing people's always controversial opinions in Room 101. I hope this week my opinion isn't too controversial. I've gone for football shirts that were never actually worn. So, you know, like everyone listening, I love football shirts and it just grinds my gears when, you know, these massive clubs release shirts and they're never actually worn in a competition itself so a few examples i've gone for are the recent air max collab uh the ones i can think of are liverpool tottenham and chelsea from 2021 these shirts are based on kind of part of the air max range in terms of that shoe itself and they're just never worn you know which is bizarre like you can still i think you can still get the liverpool one fairly easily it's only like 35 40 euro but it wasn't even worn in a warm-up, never made it onto the pitch. Same with Tottenham and Chelsea. Last week, you might have been touched on uh, in relation to the designer collabs with the human race stuff. Those as well, you know, they were never worn in a professional game. Granted, they, I believe they were actually present in warm-ups. So, um, you know, as a Liverpool fan, I wouldn't be overly complimentary of United and Arsenal. But 
God, those shirts were really, really nice. The Arsenal one, that tie-dye one, it's so cool. Like, um, I am from Ireland. Usually we've had your standard green home shirt, your white away shirt, that type of thing. The odd time we've had kind of, like, you know, mad orange kits and the like. But um, there's one shirt in particular. It was our alternative from 1998. And it's this beautiful black shirt um, with lovely green taping down the shoulder. Absolutely beautiful kit. One of the nicest kits I think we've ever had. I only stumbled across them the last year and I thought, how have I never seen this shirt before? And the reason being is because it was never worn, which I find bizarre. Not even, you know, present in any kind of friendly game or you know, behind closed doors game at the training ground or whatever. Never worn. Really beautiful kit. If never worn, absolutely beautiful. And obviously that kind of extenuates the price, you know, it increases because it was never worn. It's so rare, but... I find it bizarre. I just wish, you know, going forward, these designers and these clubs, if they're going to produce these kits and they're going to charge us collectors an arm and like for it, God, at least, you know, have it make an appearance. You know, having it as a kind of warm-up piece is one thing, but if you can get in the match, I think they should do it, you know, because it's so much money. So, yeah, that's my entry to Room 101. Thanks again for having me on, guys. Really enjoying the pod and keep up the good work. So, a strong opinion there from Shane at Football Shirts and Coffee. Kits that were never worn to go into Room 101. Who wants to kick us off? This is the only thing I'm going to say. Some of the finest kits ever have never been worn. The Borussia Dortmund 96-97 Cup away. The Juventus 96-97 third. The black with the Sony mini disc. And the... No, it's non-negotiable. This is the last word on the subject. I'm not having it. That's all I'm going to say. So I'm a little bit I'm a little bit torn in terms of the specifics of of what he would like put in 101 because I agree with Alex in terms of a shirt that was made that could have been worn that wasn't I think is a is a shame another one to add into the mix there is the 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 really famous China away shirt from 2018 that was uh, that beautiful black shirt with the the silver dragon throughout that at the last minute which I would love to hear the backstory of got rejected by the Chinese FA. So it was sold, then removed and never worn. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that in 101. Or you also have the, the Dortmund cup shirt, the template from this year that the fans um, revolted so much that they actually removed it. And the, the original shirt was never worn in the game. I think that's a really interesting backstory, but I do agree with them wholeheartedly on football shirts that are made that are never intended to be worn in a game like those awful total 90 shirts you know they they made them made them look like shirts but they never had any intention of of being worn on a pitch so what is the point and he made a very good point about the human race shirts i know uh, bayern real and juventus all wore the shirts but you had arsenal and man united wore them as a warm-up now this is we 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 won't digress because this is a personal pet peeve of mine. But when you're in the north of England, in the piss and rain, and Adidas have told you, right lads, we've made a warm up t-shirt that you're going to have to wear, so people buy them. It's minus temperatures outside. You've got a really thick jumper on, and then you've got to stick a t-shirt over the top of it to go and run around. It just looks ridiculous. 
Uh, yeah, I kind of like you, Scott. I'm a bit, I'm a bit on the fence about it. To be honest with you, I'm split a little bit. There's, there's a couple of good. I mean, as a Villa fan, there's a couple of good examples for me. So we've got a couple of kits that were uh, made with a black Nike third shirt that never saw the pitch. Um, there was a pink goalkeeper shirt from Macron that that never got worn apparently because I think it was Shea Given at the time didn't want to wear pink or didn't like that kit, whatever it was. Um, but then at the same time, we've got a couple of um, a couple of kits from the Under Armour era that were never actually commercially available and made as emergency third kits if we ever needed them when we were in the championship. Those have become really collectible, so it's it's a difficult one. I'm 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 kind of I'm fifty fifty with it. I, I think I'm kind of along the same lines of where Scott is. If these shirts like those Air Max sort of templates are made. I don't really see the point. And with the the human races, obviously, as Scott said, again, 50-50, it's a bit of a British club thing, isn't it? You know, we don't tend to sort of like, if we've got a first, uh, a home away and a third, and they don't really wear any special fourth kits or special kits, to be honest with you, very rarely anyway. Because um, Villa, Villa had a... Um, uh, combat Kappa kit made as well, almost identical to the, you know, the original, the original Italy shirt that was, was never worn in a game. I got one, but I would love to have seen that on the pitch. Um, so I, I think I am saying it should go in, but there is, I am worried about losing a few shirts as well. I think I need to process this. So I'm trying to think of some live examples that I've got in my collection. So Juventus 97 pink centenary was never worn in a competitive game, but was worn in a friendly against Newcastle. Does that, does that count as being worn or not worn? Well, I have the Inter Milan shirt with no sponsor on it because I think it looks better and I'm counting it because they wore it in a friend. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the Blue Milan fourth shirt that was originally supposed to be the third shirt in 95, 96, I think, but they, they liked the yellow one so much from the year before they carried that over as the third shirt. So it became a fourth shirt that was only ever worn against Benfica in a friendly. Does that count as a shirt that's never been worn or was that? Because I don't want to put that in 101 really. Yeah, a lot of people do count competitive games, so they don't count friendlies. I mean, this is this is a, this is a, a dating well back, but we spoke about with my Beckham collection. He he didn't wear some of the early careered shirts in competitive games, but he did in friendlies. But I didn't I didn't buy them because they were it wasn't a competitive match. So I am completely ashamed on the human race shirts. I mean, the Real Madrid one, they changed the badge for it. The Juventus one, they took sort of the human, all the human race labelling off it. So it wasn't the same shirt that people had bought. Um, so it's probably only the Bayern one that was... And even that, I think, did that have the human race bit taken off it as well? So No, I, I, I can't, can't recall. I, off the top of my head, I think it was there, but I'd have to, okay. I'd have to look to double check, yeah. So as good as those shirts are as a mini collection, I know we've got a few fans of them um, who listen to the pod, maybe even on the pod, I, I wouldn't count those as football shirts. I was quite vocal about at the time, and um, I'm sorry. So, Barcelona goalkeeper shirt, the Champions you know League one we spoke yeah. about last week, never yeah. worn. I mean, that's, Alex is shaking his head profusely. It's <laughs> a good example. I mean, oh. the Roma third nineteen twenty was lucky to escape for one match. Was it? It, it got in for before it was. They banned. wore it for and more. It got edited. Been... Yeah, it didn't get banned. They say well, it got banned in Thorn. They changed the pattern so it only had one Roma logo in it, as opposed to the ASR and the Lepetto, and that's what stopped it then being made in the shot. They only made one run in the factory for fans. And then, although the team continued to wear that shirt in Europe, with the amended badges in the in the print, they didn't produce any in the factories for fans. So that's why that shirt got so. Can so, we split so this? Can we split this into shirts that were made that are never intended to be worn on the pitch can go in, 
but shirts that were intended slash possibly could have been worn but weren't due to circumstances don't go in. Alex is shaking his head, but I, I you know, Shane seemed quite nice when he left that message. So I think he, he would be <laughs> he would be happy to get some of those shirts in room one hundred and one, and I think that's a good compromise. Are we? What are we going to be? We're going to be three one. I, Scott, I'm happy with that. As um, would do that. Scott, are you happy? Alex, you're shaking your head vigorously there. Uh, the majority rules. Uh, I'll I'll concede. Mike. Yeah, I'm 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 happy with that. I'm I'm saying it's it's, it's yeah. If if it is in it, shirts never intended for use, that 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 gets me out of getting rid of some of my favourite shirts. So yeah, we'll go with that. We got to let some of these in room one hundred and one, or um, nobody's ever going to volunteer to nominate anything again. So um, <laughs> there we go. That's decided. So thank you very much for everybody for listening this week. Uh, despite Tom calling many of you last week, we still managed to be in the top 25 podcasts in Ghana sports podcast, which is an amazing achievement. And to recognize that we've got a really exciting giveaway coming this week. So keep your eyes peeled on our Twitter feed for that notifications on Bing. Gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us this week. Cheers, yep, thanks for having me again, guys. See you. Cheerio. What did I wave? Don't know. <laughs>